all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, also known as ADHD, is a very common illness that affects our children's teens and adults. Many of you out there may have children that are affected by ADHD, or you yourself may be affected by it. So today we're going to be talking about ADHD, including symptoms, treatment, and everything else involved. Share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. On Mississippi Edition, you'll hear in-depth discussions on the issues that matter to you. We'll bring you important news about the state's always changing political climate. You'll hear from community leaders and others working to make a difference. And of course, there'll be stories from the real lives of real Mississippians. So check us out. We're online at mpbonline.org or on the air every weekday morning at 830 right here on MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, also known as ADHD, is a very common illness that affects our children's teens and even adults. Many of you out there may have children affected by ADHD, or you yourself may be affected by it. And now that school is back in session, you may be wondering what the warning signs may be for your child in school. So today, we're going to be talking about ADHD, including symptoms, treatments, and everything else involved. Share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So uh, with school back in session, you know, ADHD is a common illness that affects up to 6% of our school-age children um, and can even continue into adulthood. So some of you listeners out there may actually suffer from ADHD into adulthood. Um, It's a very common illness. Um, And a lot of times we see it as kids get into the school age, into the upper elementary classes, uh, because they're more challenged. And so that's when the symptoms seem to come about. So you've probably heard the term ADD. We don't really use that as much anymore. Um, Everything just kind of falls under the category of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD. And we kind of break it down by three different types um, of ADHD. But ADHD is, you know, a developmental disorder. It's going to affect the behavior and the attention span of children. And subsequently through that, it it affects their learning as well. So kids are usually going to be easily distracted. 
and have trouble concentrating. They also may have the hyperactive symptoms. Impulsivity is another um, symptom that we get with ADHD. And so it can be, you know, numerous different symptoms that they have, but they all kind of fall under those categories. Kids, when they're younger, um, if you've had toddlers out there, you know that young kids have all of these symptoms, uh, especially two, three, even four-year-olds a lot of times have these symptoms. So most of the time when we diagnose ADHD, they're going to be a little bit older once they hit about first grade or even higher. We like the kids, in order to get the diagnosis, to have the symptoms in more than one place. So not just at school. You all should see the same symptoms at home. And symptoms need to be, have been present for at least six months before they turn seven years old in order to even consider the diagnosis of ADHD. Like I said, it's very common. Um, I saw a, a number that 6% of school-age children suffer with ADHD. We tend to see it more in boys. Um, don't necessarily know that there's a connection between that. Um, one thing I was reading about uh, as I was preparing for this is that they actually think it's probably just more recognized in boys because most of the time the girl's ADHD is more the inattention and not necessarily the hyperactive. And it seems boys tend to suffer more from either the hyperactive or the combined type, and that's a lot easier to recognize. So that's probably why boys outnumber the girls when it comes to it. Um, But, you know, there's so much that needs to be studied and learned more about ADHD, so we don't have a good reason for that just yet. Um, We don't know exactly what causes ADHD. Uh, There's, you know, lots of theories out there, and there's tons of research that's going on. But for the most part, we don't know exactly what causes it. Probably something to do potentially with some kind of imbalance, um, you know, in the brain. Uh, There's chemicals that we have called neurotransmitters that help our brain, uh, all the different coordinations in our brain and our thought processes happen. And it could be that something is going on with that. Um, If your child has ADHD, you probably know somebody else in your family that has ADHD, uh, for it probably has some kind of genetic component to it as well because it does tend to run in families. Not always, but a lot of times when you're talking to p- patients about ADHD, they know somebody else in their family that has ADHD, so they're usually pretty familiar with it. If you're born premature, um, so if you have a premature um, infant, that's one thing that we keep a close eye on is how they handle the the school environment and being around other in social environments because uh, prematurity does increase, seem to be a disposing factor for developing ADHD. So does exposure to alcohol, cigarettes, any illicit drugs um, in utero. So when mom's pregnant with a baby, uh, if she drinks or smokes or does any drugs, that does also tend to cause behavioral problems in ADHD as well as kids get a little bit older. Other than that, that's a, about all we really know is to the cause of ADHD. You know, there's there's lots of things out there to talk about, um, different diets and things in our diets that could lead to it. And those are potential causes, but there hasn't been any true data to actually show that just yet. 
there's tons of inform, uh, research going on because it's so common. Um, so hopefully we'll have some more information about some causes, and that'll help us better treat ADHD. We're talking today about ADHD. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. Um, share your stories if you have any um, family members with ADHD. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So like I said, there's, there's three main kinds of ADHD. So there's the hyperactive, which is the one that we always think about when you think about ADHD. Um, the child that can't seem to stay still, that's constantly squirming and fidgeting, talks all the time, runs, jumps, climbs, just can't seem to just walk in a straight line, is constantly always running. Along with the hyperactivity comes that impulsivity that I was talking about earlier. And that's going to be the, you know, the kids that just don't think about things uh, before, the, before their actions. So instead of thinking that the stove is hot and I probably shouldn't grab that off the stove, the kid just automatically grabs it because they see something that they want cooking on the stove. Or, um, you know, you preach to your children about looking both ways before they cross the street. Well, the kid that just kind of ignores that and immediately runs out into the street a lot of that is the, they can't help it. It's that impulsive behavior that they have, and it kind of goes along with that hyperactivity. The other part to it is the inattention. So having a hard time paying attention, daydreaming, easily distracted, um, doesn't seem to care about details and easily makes mistakes, loses things, disorganized, um, you know, all these different things uh, that go along with the inattention. So the three main kinds of ADHD we have are just the inattention type, um, the hyperactive type, but then we also have a combined type that's combined inattention and hyperactive. Um, Like I said earlier, girls tend to have more of the inattention type. Boys tend to have more of the hyperactive version. Um, But majority of patients are going to have the combined type. That tends to be what I see most common in clinic, Um, have a little bit of everything both uh, inattention and hyperactivity. Um, And we have lots of good treatments out there for it. So it's, you know, if you have suspicions that your child may have ADHD, it's definitely something to bring up and talk to your pediatrician about. So um, some things that you may notice that your child is doing to make you concerned that they could be having ADHD. A lot of times you'll hear it from the teacher uh, because, you know, at home, they may not be on such a strict regimen as they are in school. So when they're at school, they have to, you know, sit in their desk, they have to complete tasks. And so a lot of times the teacher is one of the first people to notice signs of ADHD. So that may be the first person you hear about it from. Um, Same thing with like daycares and um, after school cares, things like that, where there's regimens for your children, they may notice some problems. And when a lot of times when you really sit and think about it, you also notice a lot of these behaviors at home. So when you tell your child to do a task, to go clean their room or bring something back for you, they can't seem to ever complete a task that you tell them to do. Even if it's something very simple and only takes one or two steps, they still are easily distracted and never seem to complete a simple task. Um, So those are usually the things that you notice. Uh, with the hyperactive, you know, in the you may notice that you're telling people all the time that 
how distracted they get and how you can't get them to sit down um, with the inattention. You know, you may notice that your kid always seems to be daydreaming or um, you've bought him a lunchbox and you've ended up having to go buy him two more because he keeps losing his lunchbox. Can't remember to bring home their folder with all their different sheets and homework that they have to do. All of these different symptoms are things that you may notice or your teacher may notice or your grandparents or family friends may notice. And so it's important to go talk to your pediatrician about it. Um, Like I said, we like to see the symptoms in two different settings, so both at home and both at school. Um, And that just helps us confirm a diagnosis of ADHD. We don't have a specific test for it, but we have lots of different screening things that we can do, and we'll talk about all of those Um, But definitely go talk to your pediatrician if there's any concerns about it, because we definitely have um, some resources out there that can be helpful. Because ADHD, if it goes untreated, as you can imagine, it it makes schoolwork hard to do. Um, And when it makes schoolwork hard to do, then that can be frustrating for your child, which can lead to other problems. Um, It can lead to emotional issues um, because they get so frustrated with themselves and they get so upset with themselves when they don't succeed in school. Um, And so it it just can cause lots of issues on down the road if it goes untreated. So it's always important to talk to your pediatrician if you have any concerns about it. Um, And we'll get into that a little bit, how to diagnose ADHD and what exactly the pediatrician will talk to you about um, just after the break. So we're going to continue our discussion on ADHD right after this break. Give us a call with your questions and comments, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Mississippi edition, you'll hear in-depth discussions on the issues that matter to you. We'll bring you important news about the state's always changing political climate. You'll hear from community leaders and others working to make a difference. And of course, there'll be stories from the real lives of real Mississippians. So check us out. We're online at mpbonline.org or on the air every weekday morning at 830 right here on MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we're talking about Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, also known as ADHD, which is a very common illness that affects our kids, our teens, and even our adults as well. 
Um, probably all you listeners out there know somebody that has ADHD or you yourself have been affected by ADHD. So today we're talking about all the different things that go along with ADHD, symptoms, diagnosis, treatment, every, any other questions you may have. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can always send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So we talked earlier about different symptoms and signs that you may notice in children with ADHD. And we'll get into a little bit about how to diagnose it and then what what you do to treat ADHD. First, it looks like we have a caller. We've got Sue from Beaumont. So we'll go to her first. Go ahead, Sue. We used to have a Dr. McLeod down here in McLean. I just, I just thought I'd bring that up. But anyway, Dr. McLeod, I'm wondering, uh, you know, I, Dr. Butchers had this topic on one of her shows and she said and I asked her do children in other countries are they medicated and put on treatments like the United States has the highest medication rate for disorders like that than any other country so I don't know is it dietary or what is and also I just like to comment I don't know if you ever read the book by H.G. Wells called 1984 where everyone had to act the same dress the same I mean do, do we, are we trying to fit uh, square pegs into round holes. In in there some leeway that some children just need to be left alone. Yeah, so that's a good point. You know, we a lot of times for ADHD, and we'll talk about that a little more. Is we try not to do medications if we don't have to. You know, um, it does seem that we have more and more diagnoses of ADHD, especially than we did twenty, thirty years ago. Even from when I was growing up, I don't remember a ton of children being diagnosed with ADHD, you know, 10, 15 years ago in high school. But um, it definitely seems to be more common. Now, is that because we know more about ADHD and we know better how to treat it? Um, Probably that is playing a factor into it. We just are better at diagnosing it now and we have better methods to treat it than we did back then. It definitely makes you wonder, is it something in our environment that is, you know, leading our kids down that pathway more than other countries? Um, I think there needs to be more research so far. Nothing has proven that, but that doesn't mean it's not out there and it's not playing a factor. You have to think it has to play some sort of a role in it. Um so, yeah, so, I mean, I agree. It, it does seem like it's a lot more common these days. We don't know exactly why, though. I think part of it, though, is just because we're better at recognizing it and better at treating it. But, Dr. McLeod, is it so necessary that every child fit into a certain mold and not not leave room for some quirky child or some child with an imagination or some child different from other kids? Yeah, well, we definitely don't want to suppress that, you know, um, and that's what I tell all my patients, too, whenever I start on medicine. I don't want to change who they are. I just want them to better able to manage their symptoms. Um, you know, if if a child goes undiagnosed, you know, it can be hard because it can make them um, struggle in school. And when you struggle in school and you fail, that can lead to a bunch of different things, self-esteem issues. Um, you worry about other kids getting picked on. The other thing is classroom management. You know, it's, it's hard for the teacher and the other students to stay focused if they have a lot of distractions. Um, and a lot of times kids with ADHD, especially the hyperactive kids, 
um, they can definitely cause lead to distractions. Um, it makes it harder for the teacher to carry on in the classroom and for the other children to learn, too. So I agree. We definitely don't want to suppress or change any of the personality of the children. Um, but we also have to help manage their symptoms so that they can, you know, they don't struggle with school and they can succeed. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, ma'am. Thank Bye-bye. you for your call. So we're talking today about ADHD and all the different symptoms and diagnosis and treatments that we have out there for ADHD. Um, give us a call. We'd love to hear any of your questions or comments. One eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So if you suspect your child has ADHD, if they have any of those symptoms that we've talked about, being hyperactive or having problems paying attention, when you go to your pediatrician, likely what they're going to do is uh, there's different assessment tools that you have uh, that have just a number of questions. It's actually a fair amount of questions, probably 50 or 60 questions um, for the parents to fill out as well as the teachers to fill out. Because like I said, we see um, ADHD happens not just in one environment, it's two environments. It's affecting their life. And, you know, that Sue brought up a good point earlier is, you know, some kids are just a little different and quirky and have a full personality. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And we definitely don't want to suppress that. But that what this what these scales do is they help us kind of rate how much that's interfering with their life because if it's not causing significant interference with their daily activities and in school and their learning and their home environment then a lot of times we try not to give them medications we have other therapies out there that we can use um, so that we don't suppress those personalities um, of those kids that we love so much with the big personalities so the, the scale that we typically use first is called the Vanderbilt Assessment Scale. Um, some of you may have heard of it because you may have filled them out. But basically, it has a set of questions for the parent. It has a set of questions for the teacher. And it comes to, like, all different kinds of things. It's, it asks questions about paying attention all the way to their hyperactive symptoms. And then it also asks about moods and how they handle being with other children. Um, Because some of these questions that we're asking is we're trying to find out if there's something else going on. Is there an underlying mood disorder like depression or anxiety or another behavioral issue like conduct disorder or oppositional defiant disorder? All these things sometimes can muddy the water. Um, The other thing that we also don't want to miss out on is, is there a learning disability? Is this why the child has more problems paying attention than reading? Because he actually has trouble with reading. Or he mostly struggles with math, and he does fine in his other classes. Is is it more of a math-related learning issue than it is, you know, truly an across-the-board issue? So that's what these scales kind of help us um, figure out what's going on. You can circle different if it's um, how often it's happened. So we have, like, never, all the time, sometimes. And based off these, we have a grading scale that we can go by to let us kind of know if ADHD is likely, unlikely, if there could be something else going on. Looks like we have another caller. We have Helen. She's from Ocean Springs. Go ahead, Helen. Hey, good afternoon. Um, I I chose not to medicate my child. He was diagnosed with ADHD, I believe, like at age four. I adopted him at the age of six, and he was already on two different types of ADD meds, and I had seen kind of things that it had done to his body, you know, not gaining weight. He didn't uh, thrive well and he didn't, they couldn't sleep. And I know it was probably a a change in medication that needed to happen. 
But after some research, you know, and this is, you know, 15 years ago, so I'm sure that there's a lot more develops, developments in medication now. But um, I did a lot to control his diet. We didn't do sugar during the school week. Um, we had to learn other ways to stay organized. It was a lot more work, but I felt for him the benefits of the medicine were more drastic or not as great as, as they could have been, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and I understand that maybe medication has changed now. Uh, they're all, it's probably relatively similar. Um, there are most of our medications that we used to treat ADHD are stimulant based um, and based off of an amphetamine salt. And so they are stimulants. So you do get the side effects of decreased appetite and insomnia um, and that kids can have trouble gaining weight, just like you said your son did. Um, so the side effects can be pretty substantial. We do have a few newer ones that we use. Well, um, one of them's a little bit newer. The other two are actually old blood pressure medications that we use um, that are in the family of non-stimulant medications. Um, so we do use those more and more now, um, whereas we didn't use them as much. Um, but they're all based off stimulants. So they haven't changed too much. They've all just been tweaked a little differently, but they're still based off that same stimulant medication. Um, so when my people around me, their children are, are entering this phase, the only thing I caution them in, because now, you know, he's an adult, and I always, you know, let him try to decide as he became a teenager whether he wanted to get on medication or, you know, change things. And he always strived to not be medicated. And it took it did take a lot of work on, you know, the teacher's part, my part, his part. But um, is that, you know, when these kids are, you know, now adults and they're trying to enter the military or, you know, especially the military, they're disqualified because they've been on ADD medicine. Mm-hmm. So that's something to consider as well for parents that, you know, we got to think about long-run effects after they're not children anymore on having them on medication. So Right, yes. And, you know, a lot of kids, hopefully, um, by the time they get to be older adults, they don't require, and a lot of adults still require medications, but hopefully the goal is to not require it and they learn how to better manage their symptoms by lifestyle changes, exactly like you were saying. Um, but it definitely takes a lot of work and it's hard to do. Um, but behavior therapy works and lifestyle changes work. Um a lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot of the times they do. So. Understood, understood. I yeah. appreciate you uh, listening to my point of view. Thanks. Yes, thank you. We appreciate it. So, yeah, so like Helen was saying, um, there's lots of different treatment options out there, and behavioral therapy is one of the things that we start with. Um, and, you know, you can start behavioral therapy just at home, some different things that you can do at your house by setting limits and setting a schedule for your child at home. Um like she said, there, there are um, just keeping your kid on uh, tra- track, um, trying to cut down on the distractions, keeping your house organized um, so that when your kid comes home to study, he has a specific area that he goes to um, so that every time he, he goes to do his homework and he goes to study and prepare for school, that he has the same location. Um, consistency and a routine, children love that and they crave that. And that is really good for kids that have problems with attention, um, with inattention and um, hyperactivity. Positive reinforcement, that's one of the things that we actually teach in behavioral therapy. Um, So rewarding kids when they do um, the desired behavior. So, uh, and especially without prompting. So if they do something that you've talked about doing before and you didn't actually prompt them to do it, 
make sure you praise them and reward them for that. They're more likely to do that activity again if you praise them and reward that. Kids love praise. Um, they like a they like a schedule and they like praise. Um, so when you're trying to work on their behavior at home, praise, consistency, routines, those are all really good choices to make. Um, having good communication with both your child and the child's teacher. That's another thing that's very important. You know, when Helen was talking about all the different things that they instituted, she said it it took a lot of people to be on our team. And it does. It, it, it takes a lot of people to be involved. Um, so having good communication with your child's teacher is very important. There's lots of different things they can do in the classroom to help your child um, to keep that consistency and to keep that routine for your child so that when they go to school, um, you know, they don't lose all those different things that they've learned to the changes in their behavior at home. Um, and you continue those. So behavior therapy is um, one of the first things that we recommend doing. That can be anybody that t- does the behavior therapy. It can be a behavioral therapist. A lot of times it's a social worker that helps you. Um, and a lot of behavioral therapists don't want just the child to come. They also want some sessions with the whole family there or the parents there or grandparents, whoever is the primary provider, because it it takes everybody getting on board with this um, to continue to reinforce the behaviors. But basically what you're trying to do is to change the child's behavior and um, change their environment, I'm sorry, so that you can in turn change their behavior. So you're trying to focus on how to adapt and encourage that good behavior that the child has. So positive reinforcement is a big way. Um, Rewards, privileges when they do what the right thing. Um, So if they, you know, one example is if they come home from school and they complete their homework in a timely fashion, you could let them watch their favorite TV show or let them play a game on the computer or have some extra time outside playing basketball that night. You know, whatever their favorite activity is to do, reward them for completing their homework like they were supposed to do. Time out is another one. We use this a lot um, in our toddlers. Um, and our two- and three-year-olds, because they kind of have similar behaviors just naturally as children with ADHD. Um, So timeout tends to work for kids with ADHD as well. So if they are not behaving appropriately the way that they should, remove them from that environment or remove them from that behavior. So if the that's, you know, timeouts are pretty self-explanatory, but, you know, if the child is doing something that they're not supposed to be doing, take them out of the situation. Put them in a, have a certain spot of the room that they always go to for their timeout sessions. And it doesn't have to be a long timeout, um, but, you know, usually five minutes or so, and that's usually adequate to and to reinforce um, that you don't want that behavior to happen again. We're going to take a break and then continue our discussions about ADHD. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And we'll be back after the break.
On Mississippi Edition, you'll hear in-depth discussions on the issues that matter to you. We'll bring you important news about the state's always changing political climate. You'll hear from community leaders and others working to make a difference. And of course, there'll be stories from the real lives of real Mississippians. So check us out. We're online at mpbonline.org or on the air every weekday morning at 8.30, right here on MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we've been talking about Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, also known as ADHD, which is a very common illness that affects our kids, our teens, our adults, Um, So today we've been talking about all the different things to look for, including symptoms, and we're about to discuss treatment. We've had some great callers with some good insight who've had personal experience with ADHD, and we'd love to hear your questions and comments or share any of your experiences as well. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So we were talking about how most of the time with ADHD, we try to avoid medications if we can. You know, sometimes we have to, especially in our um, older kids. But our younger kids, we definitely try to start with some therapy, um, behavioral therapy. So we talked about positive reinforcement and timeouts. Um, Another thing is, you know, taking away things that they enjoy. So kind of like a timeout, but instead of removing them from the situation, you remove um, what they're what their um, some of their things that they enjoy so if they like to be on their tablet if they like to watch tv if they like to play in the neighborhood for us you know after they finish their homework if they don't do what they're supposed to do or if they have an undesired behavior it's okay to take away some of those things um, they can't get on their tablet tonight or they can't watch this television show tonight because they didn't do what they were supposed to do earlier in the day And that tends to work pretty well with kids as well. Um, Diet modifications, you know, a lot of times it's there's no specific diet out there for kids. um, But definitely limiting sugar, limiting caffeine, things that are going to make children more hyperactive is a good thing because we definitely don't want to be introducing those into the diet and just perpetuating those symptoms. Um, But, you know, there's no specific diet out there that can totally treat ADHD as of yet. You know, there's tons of research going on, and hopefully maybe we can figure something out. Um, But as of now, there's no specific diet. But it's always a good idea to limit the amount of sugar and caffeine and different things like that that their children are getting that could promote those undesired behaviors and hyperactivity in kids. So those are definitely all different lifestyle things that we can do. Sometimes lifestyle can't completely take away the symptoms Um, and so we do have to use medications in some of our children and we'll talk about that first we have mary she's calling today go ahead mary hey yes this is mary jane gidry i'm from hattiesburg mississippi i'm a registered nurse and mother of a recovered severely autistic child um i wanted to say i just heard your um comments about diet and with my son with a lot of kids that I spend my time now after he's been recovered helping recover other kids with autism ADD a lot of different things like that that are um, 
you had mentioned are common. They are common now. He's 26, actually. Back then it was not. It is common now, but that does not mean it's normal. And as far as how he recovered and how help other kids recover, a gluten and dairy-free diet is absolutely huge. And there are tons of doctors. They're called MAP doctors metabolic and pediatric special need doctors that are around the country that also agree there's tons of science what happens is environmental toxins inhibit enzymes from breaking down the wheat and the milk protein and it forms opioids in their urine and it goes from the gut which is leaky into the brain and forms that so if you can remove those proteins which is very easy to do then you can avoid the medication so i know with my son complete i mean we um, all of his, not all, but it wasn't just the diet, but it was also removing environmental toxins from the environment. And um, we stopped vaccinating. Um, our state has a very high vaccination rate. And I know our state's proud of that, but we also have a lot of sick kids. And if we continue injecting uh, known neurotoxins into our children, we're going to have, we'll never see a decrease in the ADD, the autism, all of that that we have. These kids were not born with behavior problems. Their brains are inflamed and they're sick and they need these, you know, the diet does help. I've seen it time and time again and I've spent a lot of time helping families that have no direction. I give them direction where to go and, and how to do the diet. The diet is actually good for everybody. Um, it it cause, it's, causes gut inflammation, which in turn causes brain inflammation. So um, it's not only good for children with ADD, but everyone. I'm 57. I, I know a lot of people my age have dementia, um, ADD as well. So it, it's a good diet for anyone with uh those mental, I guess you call it mental illness, but it's just it's just the brain is is sick, and and also getting good fat into the brain. Omega fatty acids are huge for children um, on the spectrum or for any child. Um, the fat is the brain is made of fat, so good fats like coconut oil, MCT oil, uh, omega omegas from fish, or a good a good omega is absolutely huge. So. Yeah, thank you, Mary, for your comments. We appreciate that. I, I do um, believe that diet probably does play a factor um, somewhat into some of our behavioral issues and a lot of our chronic illnesses that we do see um, in a lot of our patients, not just with ADHD and autism, but it could, you know, all of our illness, a lot of our different illnesses that we see, our diet probably does play a role in it. Um, I do think eventually, hopefully, we can have some more information as they're doing more research. We can have a lot of studies that can help us figure out exactly what kind of diets work best for everybody, um, for kids with ADHD and different illnesses. Um, but as of now, there's no specific diet that we've found that can work totally. Now, that may be, you know... I'm glad you had success with your son, and I'm sure there are several other people out there that are just like you and have had success with some diet changes. Um, and that's a good place to start, just like therapy and behavioral therapy is a great place to start. Um, but, you know, we have we don't have a ton of research out there for it just yet. Um, hopefully, as research continues, we'll have more and more data out there, and we can um, really help direct our kids exactly to what the diet modifications can be. But I definitely think diet plays probably a factor into it. We just don't have a ton of research for it just yet. So. 
We'll take a break and we'll continue our discussions about ADHD. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Mississippi Edition, you'll hear in-depth discussions on the issues that matter to you. We'll bring you important news about the state's always changing political climate. You'll hear from community leaders and others working to make a difference. And of course, there'll be stories from the real lives of real Mississippians. So check us out. We're online at mpbonline.org or on the air every weekday morning at 830, right here on MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we've been talking about ADHD or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, which is a common illness that affects a lot of our kids and teens and even our adults out there as well. So we've been talking about the different symptoms and treatment. We've had some great calls and questions, and we'd love to hear from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 so we've, we've talked a lot about the different symptoms and kind of some of the treatments that we can do that are non-medications, uh, but sometimes there are some children that we can initiate all these different lifestyle changes and it makes some improvement, but they still have lots of struggles with school and they still can't get there to um, complete their schoolwork like they should or make the grades that we would hope that they would, and they just need some help staying focused. Um, and that's when our medications come into play. Um, it's definitely not something that we like to do, especially in our younger kids, but sometimes it's necessary, unfortunately, and we have to do it. And kids tend to respond really well to the medicines. Um, we had talked earlier, you know, most of our medications are stimulant medicines, so those do come with side effects, uh, like decreased appetite and problems with sleeping are probably going to be the two big um, complaints that we get from side effects. But each, there are several medicines out there, and they're all tweaked a little differently. So that means everybody responds a little differently to them. And so just because one medication doesn't work and you have side effects, we can always change the dose. We can change the medication. And a lot of times those symptoms get better. Um, I would say on... You know, a lot of our patients have to go through more than one medication before they find the medication that works just for you. Um, And that's not uncommon. We see that a lot in a lot of our uh, different medications that we use to treat different illnesses, including blood pressure medications, um, diabetes medications, mood medications for depression. Everybody responds differently to medicines and ADHD medications are just the same. There's also non-stimulant medications out there. Um, I kind of briefly talked about that, but Stratera is one of the medications that we use a lot. I've had a lot of success 
um, using Stratera and the non-stimulant medications with my patients, um, especially patients who tend to have the to be super sensitive to those stimulant medications and have those symptoms of decreased appetite and problem sleeping. Um, some of the other medicines we use, like Intuniv and Catve, are actually older blood pressure medications that tend to also help kids with their mood and um, and their behavior as well, um, especially those hyperactive patients. And they don't tend to have those side effects that the stimulant medications do. Um, we still have to watch for different side effects with these non-stimulant medications, but they're usually a little different side effects than the stimulant medications. Um, particularly, you got to watch their blood pressure, just like you have to for stimulant medicines. Usually, stimulant medicines raise the blood pressure, whereas these medications lower the blood pressure. So it's important to have close follow-up with your doctor if you do have to be started on some of these medications to be treated um, for ADHD. Looks like we have a couple more callers, so we'll go to Jane next. Go ahead, Jane. Hey, yes, I was calling in regards to the last conversation you had. There actually is a lot of science on the diet and how it can help these children. If you'll go to talkaboutcuringautismnow.org, it's, it covers the, uh, lots of science on the diet. And the, the doctor that actually put us on the diet was head of pediatric immunology at Tulane and tons of doctors and physicians that agree that um, diet plays a huge role and these kids are not deficient in these medications. They just need their gut and brain healed. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Yes, I agree. I mean, you know, we talked earlier about why are we seeing more and more ADHD in children nowadays? And it's definitely something environmental probably playing a role in that. Um, I definitely agree. Um, We just don't have a ton of scientific studies. It's kind of a hard thing to study. Um, So there's there's not a ton of data out there. There is some data, um, but just not a ton of data that the AAP goes by just yet. We need still need more studies. Um, next, we'll go to Manuel. Go ahead. Manuel? Yes, Manuel? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I have been listening um all the people that have been calling and the expert doctor that has been talking. Um, I have um, some questions. Um, one is, why is it that every time that a medication doesn't work, uh, most people, uh, most professionals, instead of thinking, is the diagnosis right? They think, oh, we need a change of medication. When in fact, there is no change from, let's say, going to Concerta to Adderall. It's like going from whiskey to vodka. Uh, now, if you go from Concerta to Stratera, you are changing medication. But uh, I, I, I have never been able to understand that. Uh, the other question is, why we keep keep, keeping, uh, keep talking about diet? I, I thought I was already said uh, diet. 
Yeah, he he brought up some good points. Yeah, it's, you know, hopefully the doctor is going to talk to you a little bit more about the different symptoms that you're having and the way you respond to the medication. That's why we see you very closely. Um, Whenever I start a medication, I see you back within four weeks. And usually if you're on these, we're going to see you about every three to four months so we can check in and see how you're tolerating these medicines. Hopefully um, you won't just jump from one medication to the next and um, that your doctor will talk to you. I definitely always try to do that and figure out exactly what the symptoms are and why they're not responding to the medication or what their side effect is. And do we think that's the medicine? Um, Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of these mood disorders and learning disabilities and different things like that kind of all blur the lines and can occur with ADHD. Um, So it's very important to be talking to your doctor about this and making sure that there are no signs that any of those other things could be going on and could actually be the source of symptoms, you know, especially depression. Um, One of the Uh, when we are talking about the different symptoms of depression that you can have, it's not just your mood and feeling down. Um, There's several different symptoms. So having problems sleeping, having problems concentrating, um, all of these things can be uh, symptoms of depression. So it's very important to make sure that you're following closely with your doctor. And instead of just changing medications, which sometimes tends to happen, um, that you're really trying to talk through the different symptoms and make sure that nothing else is going on. Um, that's a very good point. Uh, a lot of times, you know, people are diagnosed with ADHD um, And they have something else going on. You know, one thing we see a lot in kids um, is sleep apnea. Uh, You don't, we think more of sleep apnea in adults, but kids that have big tonsils. um, And unfortunately, some of our obese kids, because we are seeing so many children with obesity these days, um, they can also suffer from ADA, uh, from sleep apnea. Uh, Two kind of different pathology uh, reasons, but it's both obstruction while they sleep. And um, sleep apnea, you're not getting a good restful night's sleep so that during the daytime, you're very tired, you have trouble focusing, um, and some of that may act out in the behavior and in the way you act at school and at home. Um, so a lot of times, if you take a good sleeping history, I actually had one in clinic not too long ago um, that we ended up sending for a sleep study, and she eventually got her tonsils out and her symptoms improved without ever having to do any medication. Um, So it's definitely important to talk to your doctor, go over all the symptoms that they're having so that we don't just jump from different medications um, and we make sure that there's nothing else going on. So that's a very, very good point. Thank you for your call. But, you know, our goal when we're treating ADHD is we're trying to make sure that the kid is doing their schoolwork, making the grades that they're supposed to have better self-esteem. Like I said, you know, when you're frustrated from not being able to succeed at the different tasks that you need to do at school and at home. It can be very frustrating and affect children's um, self-esteem. So those are all different important things that we need to be looking for when we're treating ADHD. Thanks for listening to us today on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. This has been a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.